Hey everyone, welcome back to Neuropod. Neuralink just updated their company website, and they did an excellent job. It looks clean, and it's informative for those who have a vague idea of what the company's doing, but don't have an easy way to keep up to date with the company. I don't know many of those people, but if you do, please do me a favor and point them to Neuropod. For those of you who have listened to all the episodes out so far, thank you. Although there are still more technical details to cover, I'm going to start transitioning from sharing specifically what Neuralink's creating to more about the outcomes of the impact of what the team's doing. Occasionally, I'll interview an expert or a Neuralink fan or skeptic, but for the most part, the education piece is just becoming a little bit less necessary, in large part due to the recent website update. The Neuralink site is broken up into four main sections, the anatomy of the brain, brain-machine interfaces, engineering, and then open job positions at Neuralink. The first section is called understanding the brain. The brain has around 86 billion neurons, or nerves that help send and receive all the information our brains need. The nerves communicate using chemical and electric signals. When the electric signals or action potentials fire, the neuron connections release chemicals called neurotransmitters. Upon receiving neurotransmitters, the additional action potentials fire. And since essentially all the information we need to know about what the brain's doing is encoded in these electric signals, we can theoretically measure the signals and then mimic the size and timing to make the brain do what we want it to. This is the fundamental idea of what Neuralink's hoping to achieve. Obviously, this simple idea requires overcoming dozens of technical challenges, like recording the signals properly, accessing the brain in a safe manner, and making sure the information we send back is causing the effect that we're expecting. They also include a short, simple video that unfortunately doesn't seem to have a link to YouTube. So if you want to check that out, it can be found in the pink header section. The team also addresses that most current techniques either stay outside the brain and don't get very useful information, or they perform surgery, enter the brain, and potentially damage a lot of tissue. The downside to staying outside the brain is best described by analogy. On the Neuralink site, they reference trying to record the sound of a large stadium. So let's say that you're at a concert and want to record the performer. If you have a mic outside the stadium, the quality of the recording is going to be super muffled. And if you have one inside, you'll get a much more accurate recording. Unfortunately, I think the analogy kind of falls apart for super loud concerts because, gosh, those things are so loud that you can hardly hear anything even if you're inside. This is pretty similar in concept to what they're describing with recording neural signals inside the brain versus outside the brain. If you're outside the school, you really just don't get very accurate signal information. And if you're inside the brain, it's much more likely that you're going to get good quality recordings, but you could still run into some issues inside, like maybe there's too much noise or the safety hazards are too significant. Fortunately, Neuralink's aware that this is a problem and they're working to address it. In order to get useful signals, the electrodes will need to be placed directly at the location of where the action potentials are firing. The hope is to improve the quality of information being obtained and then sent back while simultaneously improving the safety of the procedure relative to the existing techniques. The second section of the website is interfacing with the brain. The team is pioneering a new method of interacting with the brain. The aspiration is to implant a coin-shaped device into the skull and then connect that wirelessly via Bluetooth to a phone. 
By connecting this implant called the link, the team can use micron scale threads with tiny electrodes to gather and send information to and from the brain. On the company website, it stated that the link is a sealed implanted device that processes, stimulates, and transmits neural signals. The neural threads coming out of the link are small and flexible and contain many electrodes for detecting neural signals. It's tough for most people to fully grasp how incredible this technology is because of the sheer scale of the threads. Think about how challenging it would be to build a robot to work at the micron level. That robot, the link implant, and everything entering the brain also needs to be sealed and protected in some way so that the body doesn't reject any of the materials. Also, the electrodes on the threads are so small that they can be placed without injuring any of the blood vessels. These feats are incredible, and in the latest update event, the Neuralink team discussed how the charging and the connection to the link is going to be wireless. For the wireless communication, they'll use Bluetooth, and since this is a proving technology, I'll assume there's not too many unknown hurdles to get through, other than of course making sure the size of the information being sent and received is small enough. And I guess they'll also have to consider how to get rid of heat efficiently but I can't think of any other things right now. So on the charging end, they were a little bit sparse on the details, but I'd assume that there's some contraption that they'll use to connect onto the link so that the patients can charge without much hassle. I haven't seen this recommended anywhere, but I personally think it'd be best to create a custom-made Neuralink hat that has an individual charger in the location of the link. The hat would provide a pretty good patient experience and easily conceal the implant. I suppose the one downside I can think of is the need to create custom hats for every patient, but maybe overall the pros outweigh the cons. If you're watching this on YouTube, let me know in the comments, or if you're listening to the podcast version, share your thoughts on Twitter. Upon scrolling down in this section, the team points out to the amazing robot that they're developing. The need for a robot to perform these surgeries is driven by two fundamental reasons. Number one, humans can't accurately manipulate these small threads. And two, in order to make this procedure scalable to patients where it's an elective surgery, there would be a huge shortage of surgeons if there were no robot. By having a robot, the team can eventually just have qualified operators to guide the robot and scale the operation as much as LASIK has scaled so far. I assume there's already a decent shortage of neurosurgeons, so I bet there'd be way too few to perform these types of surgeries without the robot. The next section on the page is showing an animation of the Neuralink app on a phone. It looks like you can connect the link to an app and then complete various exercises to help train your brain and body so that it becomes comfortable with the implant. It'll be cool to see how much the team decides to gamify this learning. They've previously discussed how it's going to be similar to an experience where you're basically learning any new activity. It could be compared to like learning to walk or play the piano. And over time, you can train yourself to make that connection in your brain really strong. The third section in the website is called engineering with the brain. The long-term aspirations of the Neuralink team are wide ranging, but in order to get there, they're first gonna prioritize helping paralyzed patients or patients with spinal cord injury to use a computer and regain independence through the control of computers and mobile devices. 
Since neural engineering has so few interested students relative to the other engineering disciplines, hopefully these new breakthroughs and Neuralink's progress will help jumpstart getting more young people interested. The approach for interfacing with the brain builds on old approaches, but it's still fundamentally different. This is going to enable connections to the visual cortex, auditory cortex, somatosensory cortex, and motor cortex. And as you probably guessed, each of these brain regions enables our processing of visual, audio, and tactile input. The final section of the site is dedicated to helping increase awareness of Neuralink by allowing people to sign up for an email list or apply to open job positions. The job board has a mix of positions in various disciplines with locations in Austin, Texas and Fremont, California. If you're at all interested, I highly encourage applying. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, like, share, and I'll see you at the next episode next Wednesday.